This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, the Sunday edition of Daily Thunder, which is really our chapel service uh, here on the campus. For those of you that are going to be streaming or are hearing this via podcast, we have a room packed full of very excited uh, individuals. You guys are excited, right? Because <laughs> we're, uh, we're starting a, a semester. Uh, we're starting our one-week training today. We're starting our five-week uh, training. They both start at the same time. And uh, so it's, it was really neat getting to know you guys, at least at layer one uh, last night at the banquet. Uh, we have, you get sort of that sense, and I know our staff felt this because we discussed it briefly, but uh, just the sense of a real richness, a maturity in this group, a readiness in this group. Uh, for those of you that feel like I couldn't be talking about you with such a description, uh, some of you are maybe scared to death to be here and you can't figure out how you got mixed into this group of super spiritual giants. Just know that this isn't a group of super spiritual giants. There's a lot of need in this group. There's a lot of felt weakness and there's a desire uh, to maybe put your best foot forward to look spiritual when you arrive in an environment like this. That eventually gets punctured and you are able to come down to the level of where you're really at and grow strong. Uh, but it's funny how we all are when we enter an environment, is we want to look stronger than we may feel or actually are. It's a common human uh, thing. And uh, I just want you to know that the way you've arrived and the state you've arrived is the way I want you to be right now. And then I want to allow the Spirit of God to build you. And God is very good at these construction processes. And uh, so just know that the people around you are not super spiritual. Uh, either. They're probably feeling almost identical to the way you uh, feel uh, as you enter into this environment. So uh, is our uh, keynote uh, up? It is. Great. So uh, I like to give titles to my messages for those that are unfamiliar with my speaking style. And I think, you know, I'd say Nathan and Philip are very similar in the sense that those are the teachers you're going to hear in this one week. Uh, we're always naming our, our messages, and we will refer, even amongst ourselves, back to messages based on their title. And in and through your time here, we'll refer back to messages based on their title. So a title sort of becomes a bucket, and then you can stick ideas in that bucket and then easily refer to that bucket. And so for us, that's actually part of our discipleship style, as opposed to me just giving a scripture reference, and then you're like trying to hang on to the scripture reference. To give a title actually for us is a very effective way. So this one has a title. It's called Embracing Your Cross. And do you see it as a curse or as a blessing? If you were to study just what a cross is, you would understand why someone might question whether it's a good idea to embrace it. Uh, it's a symbol of something. It's a symbol of a curse, even amongst the Jewish people. So it's fascinating that all these thousands of years later, 2,000 years, we actually look at it as a symbol of triumph and redemption. 
to us, it's a positive thing. But in and so doing, in and so looking at it that way, it reveals the kingdom of heaven. I want you to catch this from the very beginning. The fact that something so negative could be deemed so positive is how the Christian life works. Because you are going to be hit with things that you could easily, in your humanity, determine to be very negative. But through the lens of the cross, they are converted. They are turned, they are recycled into something that is beneficial to your life so that you can actually look at a cross and smile. So as a result, when you face challenges and difficulties in this life, when you view those challenges and difficulties as a Christian ought to look at them, you actually can smile in the midst of difficulties. You can sing in prison cells. Now, many Christians today don't do that. And as a result, we look back on the stories in the book of Acts when the disciples are being persecuted and then they go out rejoicing. And to be honest, we don't get it. We don't understand how such a phenomenon could take place. So we relegate such behavior to early Christianity and say, well, they were different. They obviously saw Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. I didn't get the privilege to. Maybe if I had, I could do that too. But we relegate such behavior to bygone eras instead of recognizing that the very same spirit that dwelled inside of those early disciples, those early apostles, is the very same spirit that desires to animate us, to bring forth the same responses in us in our circumstances. Now what's interesting is being in a prison cell back in the early days uh, of Christianity would have been a pretty miserable experience. I mean, our prisons actually aren't that bad compared to the prisons back then. Our sufferings today are really pathetic next to the sufferings that these early Christians faced. Like, for instance, you're now told you're going to be fed to a wild beast in the morning. The man that John the Apostle discipled, his name is Ignatius, when he heard that he was going to be fed to wild beasts in the morning, he rejoiced. Okay, now, I don't know what you would be thinking. Let's just try it. You are going to be fed to wild beasts in the morning. How are you doing right now? See, most of us immediately go to the pain factor on that, like wild beasts. And then we go to the fact that we're losing our life. Okay, that's secondary. (laughs) The fact that it's wild beasts and they're going to tear us limb from limb isn't attractive to our soul. Ignatius doesn't go straight to a pain factor. He goes straight to the fact that he gets more of Jesus in in the process. You mean I get to come into the presence of the one I love tomorrow? I have anticipated this day for so long. Praise God. You know what he called the the lions in that situation? His friends. The lions were his friends. Why? Because they were going to be the ones that brought him into the presence of Jesus. Now, for most of us, that lion or those lions are negatives. Bad. And yet, how does Ignatius see it? He sees a cross as a blessing. You see, there's a mentality that God desires to cultivate within us that is foreign to many of us because many of us have grown up with a modern mentality towards difficulty and suffering and pain. We look at it as a negative, just like the Jews would have looked at it as a cross. If you were to set a cross before uh, the Jews and say, how would you like to hang on one of those? Oh, I mean, you cannot think of a worse thing to have happened to you. Because you would be mocked and ridiculed. You would be separated from society as a criminal. You would be looked on in spite and mockery and disdain. No way do I want a cross. And Jesus has the gall to say, anyone who wants to be my disciple needs to deny himself. He needs to pick up one of those crosses and follow me. 
how come we don't get that today? Whatever the symbol of that is, and you need to you know, jump into the lion's den and follow me. You see, we don't understand the conversion. We don't understand that God wants to take what the enemy would say, that's terrible. Oh, no, protect yourself. And we actually boldly walk right into it with a smile and a song. So I know I haven't even gotten past the first slide here. Uh, Embracing your cross, do you see it as a curse or as a blessing? The old cross in the news. So when Eric Ludy popped out of the spiritual womb, it's interesting, even the day that I'm giving this is February 2nd. And for those of you that are uh, knowledgeable about the life history of Eric Ludy, which I'm not expecting any of you to be, uh, it's February 2nd, which is my date of new birth. So 30 years ago today, this is a big day for me. Uh, I, I don't want to say hatched out of the uh, egg, uh, but... There is something that took place 30 years because I grew up in a Christian home and I would have told you that I was a Christian when I was five. However, when I was 19 years old on February 2nd, I encountered Jesus in a way that changed my life. And I wrote it down in my journal. It said, a new beginning. And I became what most people would have called a radical. And I was on, in a, on a college campus at the time, which was a Christian college, but was nominally Christian. They taught evolution. They taught everything that would, you know, actually go contrary to Jesus Christ, yet they were a Christian college. So I would be sitting there, and I was suddenly raising my hand in class, and I was saying, but, but what about what the Bible says? And these teachers are like, get this guy out of here. What's he doing? We don't talk about the Bible around here. And uh, so it was this unique tension. I was praying. I started gathering people into my dorm room every night, and we would pray for revival on the campus. I would go door to door and invite people to Bible studies. I didn't know how to share the gospel, so I'd invite them to hear someone else who could share the gospel. And that happened 30 years ago today. Right in that very time period, one of the books that changed my life was a book by A.W. Tozier. It was called The Pursuit of God. And so I started to read A.W. Tozier, and I read something called The Old Cross in the News. So it's really interesting, going back 30 years, this is what I read 30 years ago. In the very beginning of my spiritual growth, each of us is defined oftentimes by how we are impacted when we first come to Christ. And we, we sort of develop a, it's almost like a root system. And a root defines the fruit, ultimately, of that plant. And so my root system is rather hearty, the, the different men and women that influence me, you'll hear their names throughout the semester, the very same ones that influence our staff. Our staff have been, we're, we're, you, you, we're united on a certain front, and that is we want the real thing, and we love the men and women of history past that stood firmly on the fact that the Bible tells the truth, and it intends us to live robustly for Jesus Christ. So this will give you a little insight into how Eric popped out of the spiritual womb. A.W. Tozier, the old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt, violent end of a human being. The man in Roman times who took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to his friends. (laughs) Goodbye looks a little funny there. I don't know if if any of you grammaticians are struggling with that too, but I don't like it. it. Missing an E on the end, sorry about that. Said goodbye to his friends. He was not coming back. He was going out to have it ended. The cross made no compromise, modified nothing, spared nothing. It slew all of the man, completely and for good. It did not try to keep on good terms with its victim. It struck cruel and hard. And when it had finished its work, the man was no more. 
So A.W. Tozier is talking about a new cross that has come, which is sort of like a feel-good cross. It doesn't need to kill you. It doesn't need to slay you. It just sort of cozies up to you, and you can stare at it and decorate it and make it look good and you know, adorn your neck with it. But the old cross, when you picked up your old cross, you knew you weren't coming back. When you picked up your old cross, you were saying goodbye to your previous life. That's what I needed to hear, and I'm going to start this semester by saying it's good for us all to hear. We need to remember that to follow Jesus means to say goodbye to our old life. Many of us want to cling to our old life, so we're threatened by the cross. The cross is a negative to us because we actually are in love with our first life. We don't know that we really want a new life because we like aspects of our old life. It's like hanging out in Egypt. Yeah, you're a brick maker. Yeah, you're a slave to Pharaoh, but look, you got leeks and onions. Isn't that a funny thing? If you've ever studied this, it's like leeks. That sounds disgusting, leeks and onions. And yet for them, that was the taste they were familiar with. You can replace that with your Starbucks beverage. You know, in other words, there's something you're familiar with back in the land of your first life. And to say goodbye to it, I mean, if I were to ask you to say goodbye to your favorite beverage, you could imagine if you had to say goodbye to it and never taste it again, that would be a very unique tension for your soul. And so for each of us, we need to count the cost and recognize the living God is calling us to follow him. He desires to have our life, but to find the fullness of walking with our king which, by the way, is beyond description, extraordinary and beautiful, but we'll get to that later. We need to give up our first life. And when we pick up our cross and follow, we are saying adios. That's Spanish, by the way. We are saying goodbye, with an E on the end, to our first life. Suspended between, rejected of earth and heaven. So a cross, the reason it's symbolic to the Jews is it's a symbol. It's an external earthly symbol of something that is happening when you are cursed. You see, when you're cursed, it says anyone who hangs on a tree is accursed, right? So when Jesus actually hangs on that cross, he is becoming the curse. The curse that we are supposed to bear, he bears it for us. But what a cross symbolizes is one who is suspended. He is not of this earth. He is rejected of the earth but he's also rejected of heaven. So he hangs in between in that no man's land of curse. Isn't that an interesting statement? He's only deserving of hell. Oh, wow, that's a pretty extreme statement. We're like hanging it around our neck. <laughs> it's a terrible symbol, but it has been converted. It has been changed to us where we can look at this suffering, at this travail of the Son of God, and we could say, that is my salvation. That is good. That is victory. Imagine if you took every difficulty that you faced in life and were able to look at it through the same lens. That is good. That is victory. This deserves a, a leap for joy. This deserves a song in the night. Whoa, you know that you'd be a pretty happy person? And I've often said that. The happiest people on earth are Christians. Or at least they're supposed to be. Because there is no difficulty that can come our way that isn't immediately converted into joy. We are joyful. Always. In fact, did you know that Paul gives the command? Rejoice always. Give thanks in all things. I mean, just think about that, that statement. We are literally like a Cheerio in milk. You ever seen a Cheerio in milk? You push it down, it goes bloop. And the devil goes, pushes it down, bloop. 
The unsinkable taste of Cheerios. Not a lot of sugar to weigh those, those Cheerios. <laughs> Mark 8:34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The shock of such a statement to a Jew. Now this is before Jesus hung on that cross. And he is literally making such an extreme statement. You want to follow after me? I want you to walk into that arena and be fed to the wild beasts if you want to come to me. Hey, I'm going through the arena. You want to follow me? But there's wild beasts in there. They'll tear us limb from limb. Yeah, that's the way I'm going. It's such an extreme statement that we don't even have a grid for it in our modern day. We repeat it all the time. We know the statement. However, do we recognize that this is actually the channel of entry into the abundant life? It's when we self-preserve and we say, I don't want to cross. I don't want to die. I don't want to let go of my way that we lose our life. The secret to finding life is to give yours up. When you cling to it and hold on to it, you actually lose it. You don't find life. You think the devil's conned you into thinking if you claim your own life, if you live for yourself, if you do it your way, you're going to find something wonderful when in actuality it slips into nothing and disintegrates and you lose it all. But if you will give up the one thing you have to give, which is your life, you will find that you will receive something so grand in return. You'll receive the life of Jesus Christ. The personalized cross, the one constructed just for you. It's interesting because God seems to indicate that we have a cross, not just that he carried a cross, that we also have a cross. Pick up your cross, my cross. What do you mean, my cross? I have a cross? You have a cross. And we don't really like to meditate upon the fact that we have a cross, but we do. We have unique trials, unique difficulties, and unique sufferings that are assigned to us. I know that sounds very un-American. If you happen to come from America, that's like the reason we invented painkillers. I mean, we're like the classic culture that came up with Tylenol, and we came up with ibuprofen. We came up with all these things to numb us from pain. However, God says, but pain is not bad if it's leveraged by the truth. You see, that cross is not bad. Jesus did not have any pain relief on that cross. And he accomplished triumph, victory in and through it. You see, you are not called to bear the cross of Christ, but you are assigned to bear the burdens that God needs to assign you. There is a cross, and he says, will you carry it? Will you pick that up and follow me? And at the outset, it sounds terrible. I, I'm right there with you. If I get into the human skin side of this, I'm going to be like, oh, that's so unattractive. And believe me, I've tried to fight off this truth for much of my Christian life too. It's like, God, could we change this? Could we alter this? And it's only when I rest in the fact that, God, your way is the best way. I accept that, that I begin to smile. I'm a very happy person. And I'm not just happy right now. I'm happy all the time. Why? For the very reasons I'm telling you. There is no negative thing that can weigh down upon my life that God is not turning and converting into a triumph. So there's all sorts of different options for what a cross, your personalized cross could look like, okay? I'll give you some options, and there's many, many more. But just to sort of stimulate the thoughts of what they could be like. 
is it the Davidic sheepfold? Do you remember David? David's the eighth son of Jesse. Uh, he, he became a king, right? But before he was a king, he's the eighth son of a nobody, right? And he lives in a, no, a, a nowheresville town named Bethlehem. And the, the one job description that no one wanted in Israel was the shepherd. Shepherd is the lowest of low positions, and so you can just see it. Uh, Jesse has sheep. So the oldest son gets the job, and then there's the second son, and the oldest son's like, oh, praise God that there's another son, because it's always the youngest that gets the junk job. And so it passes down, and finally David gets it, and there's no more sons. So David's stuck as the shepherd. He's the lowly one. Now, I'm going to translate this into our life. Oftentimes, many of us, we esteem roles in life and you know we read biographies or we watch you know things on tv or movies and we're like oh yeah i want to do that and we oftentimes don't bear the burden of the assignment we have today you see you may be called to something bigger and more grand than what you're doing today but what you're doing today matters in the formation of your life and if you if you go through the full training at ellerslie you're going to hear about david a lot and i'm going to go in depth into the importance of his shepherding days. Because what he's learning as a shepherd is critical for how he becomes such a great king. And the same is true for us. You see, you have a sheepfold right now. You could be begrudging the fact that, God, give me a greater assignment. You take care of the assignment you have and you'll be prepared for that greater assignment. Don't forsake the cross you have now. You're like, sheep. Instead, David loved his sheep. He ran after his sheep and rescued them, even risking his own life. He took advantage of his sheepfold years and as a result became a great king. Is it labor without obvious fruit? Ooh, that's a hard one. That's a hard cross to bear. Where you are laboring for Jesus Christ and you're serving. You ever served someone and ministered to them and they seem as hard as a rock and they don't seem to be changing at all? Some people have had like, that one child that they adopt and that one child doesn't ever seem to wake up from their stupor and they invest and they invest and they invest and the child seems to go downhill. That's a hard cross to bear because you're spending a lot of your energy like, God, you could use this in a better way. And yet what is taking place is extremely important in your life. And so don't forsake that cross and set it down and say, God, I'm not carrying this fruitless or seemingly fruitless labor because it's not fruitless it does bear fruit when you handle it god's way but i tell you what it's it's a it's a challenging cross there's some splinters in that one is it the heavenly request to be kind and forgiving towards someone who has done you terrible wrong that's a hard cross when someone has done you wrong and then god says love them show them mercy pray for them Eesh. that in our human side it's repulsive. We want to get back at them. We want them to feel pain for what they've done. We want them to be punished. Instead, God says, let's convert this. I want you to handle it the way I handled your sin. I want you to carry this cross well, the way I carried my cross. Is it that you are compelled to speak about Christ in a place where to speak means extreme difficulties for you and for the ones you love? You see, the American culture is getting more and more difficult to stand for Christ. It is socially incorrect, and we feel it. We feel the unspoken expectation that, okay, you can be a Christian, just keep it to yourself. And so it's becoming increasingly more and more difficult, but there are other places in the world, I mean, just pick North Korea, where if you allow your faith to slip out, I mean, you could be stuck in a concentration camp. 
And when you stand for Christ, do you know that your family oftentimes suffers as well? And your family is going to go through difficulties because of your stance for Christ. That's a cross. And that's a challenging one to bear. However, if you allow God to leverage this, you can smile in the midst of such challenges. Is it that you are unusually burdened with challenges? For instance, physical challenges, psychological challenges, or practical challenges. Some of you might have a, might have a persistent sickness or persistent ailment in your body. And it just wears on you. Some of you have a psychological niggling. Something that just is always there in your life and doesn't seem to go away. It's like, God, could you please take this? I mean, Paul had one of those. Uh, he prayed three times that that thorn would be removed, and for whatever reason, that thing was still there. And how about a practical challenge? Some of us, it's actually really hard in our life to do the things that we know we're called to do. And it's like, God, if you would remove all my practical challenges, but I could run this race with vigor. But instead, I, I have so many obstacles. That's a cross. Embrace that. Don't complain about it, but pick it up and say, God, give me the grace to walk with this. So that persists day after day, and you must choose to bear a happy face no matter the pain you are currently enduring. This guy's name is just classic uh, because his name is Alexander Smelly. And when we're talking about the cross, that usually we don't think of a smelly cross, but it is. That's sort of what it is. It's repulsive because it, it smells to us. I don't want to get near that thing. It is not what we're attracted to. So this guy's name, and even his quote, is so ideal. I don't know if it was joked about it when he was alive. You know, it's like Alexander Smelly, then they all chuckle. I have no idea. I thought the last name Ludi was difficult to carry, but this guy had a cross even in his name, uh, Alexander Smelly. And this is a great quote, by the way. I like this guy. The cross which my Lord bids me to take up and carry may assume different shapes. I may have to content myself with a lowly and narrow sphere when I feel that I have capacities for much higher work. I may have to go on cultivating year after year a field which seems to yield no harvest whatsoever. I may be bidden to cherish kind and loving thoughts about someone who has wronged me, be bidden speak to him tenderly and take his part against all who oppose him and crown him with sympathy and succor, which means help. I may have to confess my master amongst those who do not wish to be reminded of him and his claims. I may be called to move among my race and show a glorious morning face when my heart is breaking. There are many crosses, and every one of them is sore and heavy. None of them is likely to be sought out by me of my own accord. But never is Jesus so near me as when I lift my cross and lay it submissively on my shoulder and give it the welcome of a patient and unmurmuring spirit. He draws close to ripen my wisdom, to deepen my peace, to increase my courage, to augment my power, to be of use to others through the very experience which is so grievous and distressing. And then as I read on the seal of one of those Scottish covenanters from Claver House imprisoned on the lonely bass, you really need to know your Scottish covenanter's history to appreciate this. This is what was written. With the sea surging and sobbing round, I grow under the load. This load of this cross ooh, might feel heavy, but the Christian grows under the load. That weight is actually what causes you to grow. You go into any weight room, any gym, any exercise facility, and what do you do? You willingly allow weight 
to come against your body. Why? Because you grow stronger in dealing with weight. We know that. Many of you are athletes, you know that. And what's funny is you enjoy that. Well, translate that same thing into your Christian life. You might as well start enjoying it and recognize you have a free membership to the weight room of life. And, I mean, it's free. And I tell you what, it would probably cost multiple thousands of dollars a month to get this type of good stuff, good exercise equipment. You have trials and tribulations that will come against your life. And if you exercise and show resistance to them, muscle will form upon your soul. That rugged cross, it doesn't look good, smell good, or feel good on your back. But that rugged cross is a gift. That is the means by which God will bring life, love, and power to you. So you're like, God, I want life. I want love. I want power. Well, I've given you the secret of how to get it. But you set it down over here. You're trying to get away from it, but that's your secret to getting it. You see, the very thing you long for is found in agreeing with God's means of giving it to you. I know, it's not very attractive when you think of a cross. But what if you were to think differently about a cross? You think differently about Christ's cross. Why can't you think differently about your cross? Embrace your rugged cross. I don't know what it is, but I can almost guarantee that each of you has one right now. And yet some of you have had a bad attitude towards your cross, and you've been pleading with God to get rid of your cross instead of embracing it. You see, God will not keep certain things in your life forever. There's certain things that persist, and it's called long-suffering, where you go through it, but there's seasonal changes in your life. There are different trials that we have. Like my trials that I face today are different than my trials that I faced, you know, in the years past. And usually the trial you're facing now, if you, you oftentimes often want to even switch it with one of your trials from previous eras, it's like, boy, that one, I complained about it, but wow, it was a lot better than the trial I'm facing now. But God is growing you, and he gives you what he knows you need. Now, here's what's interesting. This is a tricky thing to deal with in the Christian life, but a lot of times, even our trials come from the enemy. The enemy is trying to resist what we're doing. However, God is not chagrined in saying, receive it as if it's from me and exercise it. Treat it as if I am allowing you to go through this because God knows that everything the enemy works against us for evil, he will convert into good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. If you think that way, the smile will never leave your soul. Embrace your rugged cross and you will find the grace to not just bear your rugged cross, get this, but to also cherish it. Do you imagine if you start cherishing your crosses? Because if I were to you pinpoint your cross today, just sort of put your finger on it in your soul. Take a highlighter pen out and, yeah, yeah, there it is. Cherish it. Don't just embrace it, but cherish it. Just think about all the strength and grace God's going to give you in and through this unique challenge in your life. So instead of begrudging, instead of complaining about it, instead of trying to get rid of it, what if you said, God, as long as you have me carrying this, as long as this feature factor is in my life, I am going to rejoice. So we're going to finish with a poem, and it's called The Changed Cross. I was reading something in Streams in the Desert that said 
there was an old poem called The Changed Cross. And then I was like, well, what's The Changed Cross? So I, then I tried to find it, and there were, oh, seems like everyone was inspired by this poem and wrote their own rendition of it. So I have all these different renditions. Technically, I don't even know that this is the original. I just have a hunch that this is, mainly because of the title. And uh, anyone, any of the staff would recognize, uh, in Streams in the Desert, where this was, not this was quoted, but this was referenced, the, the writer of Streams in the Desert is Mrs. Charles B. Cowman. So this is written by Mrs. Charles Hobart, which means it's old. Anytime someone expresses their name that way, you know it's in the old school uh, time period. So I just think this is it, and it's beautiful. It really is. And it captures and enunciates ev ev everything that we just covered. So this is how we're going to finish. The Changed Cross. It was a time of sadness, and my heart, although it knew and loved the better part, felt wearied with the conflict and the strife and all the needful discipline of life. And while I thought on these as given to me, my trial tests of faith and love to be, it seemed as if I never could be sure that faithful to the end I should endure. And thus no longer trusting to his might who says we walk by faith and not by sight, doubting and almost yielding to despair, the thought arose, my cross I cannot bear. Far heavier its weight must surely be than those of others which I daily see. Oh, if I might another burden choose, methinks I should not fear my crown to lose. A solemn silence reigned all around. Even nature's voices uttered not a sound. The evening shadows seemed of peace to tell, and sleep upon my weary spirit fell. A moment's pause, and then a heavenly light beamed full upon my wondering, raptured sight. Angels on silvery wings seemed everywhere, and angels' music thrilled the balmy air. Then one, more fair than all the rest to see, one to whom all the others bowed the knee, came gently to me as I trembling lay, and said, Follow me, he saith, I am the way. Then speaking thus, he led me far above, and there beneath a canopy of love, crosses of diverse shape and size were seen, larger and smaller than my own had been. You ever looked at someone else's cross and thought, Boy, I would love to swap out mine for that one. That's, that's what this is. This is, this is the, the changed cross, okay? This is, this is the whole idea behind it. So there's larger and smaller crosses uh, than my own had been. And one there was most beauteous to behold, a little one with jewels set in gold. Now that has to be attractive, a little one. Don't you guys like that, the sound of that? A little one with jewels set in gold. Ah, this, methought, I can with comfort wear... And for those of you that are hearing this via podcast, my poem, which was on the screen, did disappear. It didn't, <laughs> that was good. That's a point, uh, Nathan. Did you hear that? Okay. Uh, it, it flashed back. Oh, there it is again. Ah, this, methought, I can with comfort wear, for it will be an easy one to bear. And so the little cross I quickly took, but all at once my frame beneath it shook. The sparkling jewels fair were they to see, but far too heavy was their weight for me. This may not be, I cried, and looked again to see if there was any here could ease my pain, but one by one I passed them slowly by till on a lovely one I cast my eye. Fair flowers around its sculptured form entwined and grace and beauty seemed in it combined. Wondering I gazed and still I wondered more to think so many should have passed it o'er. It's a beautiful one, guys. Fair flowers all around it. But oh, that form so beautiful to see soon made its hidden sorrows known to me. Thorns lay beneath those flowers and colors fair. Sorrowing, I said, this cross I may not bear. 
And so it was with each and all around, not one to suit my need could there be found. Weeping, I laid each heavy burden down as my guide gently said, no cross, no crown. At length to him I raised my saddened heart. He knew its sorrows, bade its doubts depart. Be not afraid, he said, but trust in me. My perfect love shall now be shown to thee. And then with lightened eyes and willing feet, again I turned my earthly cross to meet. With forward footsteps turning not aside for fear some hidden evil might be tied. And there in the prepared appointed way, listening to hear and ready to obey, a cross I quickly found of plainest form, with only words of love inscribed thereon. With thankfulness I raised it from the rest and joyfully acknowledged it the best. The only one of all the many there that I could feel was good for me to bear. And while I thus my chosen one confessed, I saw a heavenly brightness on it rest. And as I bent my burden to sustain, I recognized my own old cross again. But oh, how different did it seem to be. Now I had learned its preciousness to see. No longer could I unbelieving say, perhaps another way, another is a better way. Ah, no, henceforth my one desire shall be that he who knows me best should choose for me. And so whatever his love sees good to send, I'll trust its best because he knows the end. God has given us what he knows is best for us. Do we trust him to lead us down this narrow way? This way of splintery cross bearing. I recognize in the natural man we are not attracted to crosses. And yet, you are now a supernatural man. You are born again. You are a new creature in Christ. Therefore, all things have become new, including your thinking towards crosses. So, because of the culture in which we live, there has been a weight upon our perspective. There has been a deliberate attempt to get us antagonistic to the very thing that brings us life. All of us say, I don't want to buy the lies of the culture, but there is no greater lie than to convince us that difficulty, pain, and suffering is an evil, when in actuality, those are the very things that lead us to abundant life, if we will embrace them as Jesus embraced his cross. There's no argument the cross of Christ was a triumph. None of us is going to argue. In fact, we worship him all the time over that great work of the cross. Do we not realize that there is a pattern set in that? And Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. You see, he suffered for us. But he has set a pattern of how to suffer with triumph. And if we would embrace the pattern of how he designed things to work in a harsh and evil realm in which we live, there is a means of triumph and it is backwards from our normal human thinking. But if we would listen to his word and if we would heed him as our guide, we will find an avenue of triumph in and through embracing the difficulties, the weights, and the trials that he assigns us. So whatever it is that you are being weighed down by today, smile. Thank God for it. For this season, you have been assigned to carry that. But he will give you the grace 
to bear it. And he will increase his strength in and through you if you bear it well. And if you cherish that cross, you will find a joy that will ebb into your life even in the midst of those difficulties that will defy the enemy. He's laughing and he's mocking. Look at them crumble underneath that cross. But there's nothing quite like it. Just imagine the movie score begins to swell and there you are on the ground and you catch the vision of this is a blessing and you rise up, look towards the enemy and he goes, oh no, his face turns pale white and you smirk and you go, thank you, Lord, for this burden and you begin to walk. You see, there's triumph in that. And the, the burden that you have been assigned becomes light when you recognize that he is the one that actually intends to carry it for you. You see, you've been trying to bear these things in your own human capacity. But God is the one who gives you the grace to triumph. It's not you. It's not what you dig in your own pockets to find. This little lint of strength. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. Take it. Father, thank you for our crosses. First, thank you for your cross. Thank you for its triumph. And thank you that our crosses are not too heavy for us. And thank you that you will help us carry them. And thank you for personally selecting them for us. You know what each of us needs. You know the assignment that each of us has been given. And we today declare to you that we trust you. We trust your wisdom. We trust your love. We trust your faithfulness. Lord, lead us down the narrow way of the cross. It's in the precious name that we ask this. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Looney, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.